Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Hello and welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. I'm Dustin Nation and in this episode we'll cover the Tiago Santos move to Gremio, the SC Dallas La Copita win over San Antonio FC, and we've got a preseason supporters group roundtable with Stephen Gould of Dallas Beer Guardians and Luis Dollar of El Matador. So strap yourselves in, get comfy, because here with us is Jonathan Rosary My Couch. Howdy, Jonathan. Uh, that's that's actually the incorrect pronunciation, uh, but re- you're getting you're getting closer, Dustin. Uh, doing pretty good because uh, got the got the news from FC Dallas that uh, we're actually going to get to go to practice this year. So you know I'm kind of excited. So, so, you know, there's a I think they're going to have a, a limited number of media people that are going to get credentialed to go to practice. Uh, lucky enough, myself and and you, Dustin, will be more, some of those. F- people uh looking forward to actually seeing some live action yeah it'll be good to get in and and uh kind of see see what they're working on earlier in the week uh and recently announcing his transfer from the university of texas to michigan state but still loaning as part of his giant brain to noodle about soccer is nico mendez greetings doctoral candidate nico mendez and uh, there's still still many hurdles before I can officially. There's a there, there's a lot of uh, titles that I have to go through basically. Oh, so <laughs> I'm jumping there. the gun here. Well, that's all right. <laughs> so you're gonna there's you're nothing gonna wrong with the, being optimistic. You're gonna win the championship, Nico. There you go. There you go. So it's like it's preseason. Like that's what you got to say. It's it's preseason. All right. Well, we um we have some some news that broke. Late last week, after we'd already uh, got our episode out the door, Tiago Santos, with a shock move to Grêmio, kind of came out of nowhere. Looks like he's going to be heading down to Brazil for any of the neighborhoods of 1.2-ish to 1.5-ish million uh, U.S. dollars. And uh, effective immediately, there's there's no more Santos on the team. How are we feeling about that, Jonathan? Uh, from a... I mean, it's a it's a big loss for FC Dallas. So I, I think that Tiago Santos really bought, brought a a calming presence to the midfield last year, and it's something that the team missed uh, with uh, with Grazo leaving, uh, and really didn't have the the year prior after that. And so, uh, yeah, yes, he had maybe some conditioning issues last year, some old legs where he had a bit of up and down. Um, but overall, I mean, when you when you think about the quality he brought and then the importance of that position to the club or to any club, really that holding mid position is a really important position for, uh, for a club like FC Dallas to have a constant, uh, defensive champion out there, right? Somebody who, who doesn't actually man, doesn't mind, uh, you know, going one-on-one against a defender, making a, an opportune, you know, you know, little tackle or a uh, you know, light foul. I mean, you, you kind of need that, that toughness in the midfield. And although there are some other people on the team who can pick up that number six role or potentially number eight role, uh, I don't think that there's anybody on the team that has that, that toughness and pedigree that, that Santos had. 
No, yeah, that calming presence in front of the center backs is is super key, and he had that. Even even whenever you could see the tired the tired legs, um, the calmness, the experience there, knowing when to take a foul, when to you know when to uh, basically play each situation as it as it came and and make good decisions. That 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 is super key to have in front of your defensive, especially if you know your your center backs are new. And just a new pairing, and there's still some things to work out. Having somebody to clean up in front of them provides, provides them cover, and and you know, overall solidifies things bef- in in the defense for sure. Nico, uh, what will you miss about Tiago Santo? Um, I think I kind of will miss the veteran experience that he brought to the midfield. Um, I think that you know, with FC Dallas is synonymous with play the kids, right? Uh, and they, they're, our midfield is is choked with a bunch of young midfield talent. So definitely the experience that he um, brought to the team, uh, like you guys were saying, it was a nice calming presence. Uh, he kind of knew how to dictate the game. But um, yeah, it it, it uh, definitely will be missed in that regard. Are you I mean, okay with the mood, the move, Nico? Or are you hopping mad? No, I, I I'm okay with the mood. I I think for many it was kind of surprising, but when you kind of break it down, it's like oh. Well, yeah, um, definitely fine with that. We got a lot of young, up-and-coming talent, and uh, it sounds like FC Dallas turned a profit on it as well. So that's always a plus. Yeah, I mean, I guess he could have just, you know, saw out his contract and FC Dallas could have gotten nothing for him uh, for a 32-year-old to get, uh, well, 31-year-old. Could, uh, getting $1.5 million for the, for that type, for a 31-year-old is not, not too shabby. From a from a timing perspective, right? It really, it's it's not great from the club for the club. Sorry. So you know we're we're two weeks away from it from this starting you know preseason. Sorry, from the season starting, um, and to lose a core player like that who was you know his name was in ink on the starting eleven pretty much every week. That's I think that's that's tough to replace so i'm wondering if there's something from a club perspective we do know that talking to uh andre zanata a couple of weeks ago he mentioned bringing in uh, another winger before that this this season started it that could be part of the international international exactly open they're they are freeing up an international spot um and and i know a lot of people get excited myself included for seeing people like edwin cerillo get some more minutes uh, you know, maybe Tasman gets some more minutes, but you know, in reality, there's going to be a there's going to be a step back. I think from a club perspective, the you know, the club is not as strong as they were otherwise. Um, and don't be surprised. I mean, I don't know what, what your guys' thoughts are, but my expectation is starting day and probably early in the season, it's probably not going to be Edwin. Edwin's the the only clear six that's on this team. But what we saw with uh, last year. Uh, when when you know Tiago couldn't couldn't play in general, Lucci wanted to play uh, Acosta in his place, right? So I wouldn't yeah, Acosta, and then they bring on uh, Tessman at the end of the match. Yep, and, and both yeah. those, bo- both Acosta and uh, Cirillo were people that uh, Lucci in the in the press conference that this past week was really saying was talking about how well Acosta had played uh, going up to you know before he went away for for his country uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he was also talking about how well Edwin's played. I would not be surprised if the the starting lineup on uh, the very first day is going to be you know, Acosta in that six, which probably frees up maybe more time for Tessman. 
So I guess if you're a big Tasman fan, you're excited about that? It's possible. So we did get to talk to uh, Sorio today, um, and we kind of talked to him a little bit about the influence that Santos uh, had on him while he was in the club. So let's uh, let's listen to that. No, yeah, it's always good to have someone uh, like like Chavo with his experience and the amount of years he's been playing uh, at the highest level. Uh, it was good day in and day out, learning from him, uh, seeing him uh, firsthand. Uh, and since he since the day he's arrived, uh, one thing that I took away from him was uh, his defensive uh, skills and skill set that he has, uh, the way he breaks lines, the way uh, how aggressive he is, and, and day in and day out, like even if it's against me, um, just learning from him and um, realizing how much energy he puts into defending uh, is something that I wanted to improve. Um, something that I had, but I can. Um, obviously I'd be better at and having him uh, in front and competing with me and it was always healthy composition uh, and I've always talked to him and he's giving me pointers about it and uh, just to have someone like that um, just competing day in and day out was very helpful for me and and it, I've, I've learned so much um, on the defensive part of my game because of him. Yeah and he's gonna he's gonna need to have had that that defensive uh learning there. I think the thing that I really hope rubbed off on him is just his ability to, I don't know, be a, 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 sorry, kids cover yours, be a bastard, right? Like in front of the, in front of the defense, um, where he, Santos will just, he'll crunch a guy, but he won't do it in a way that's going to get him like red carded. And so Sergio has, he's either, he's either like, Looks like if you watch him with North Texas last year, he was either a little soft or he's getting a red card. Um, I think he would got, he played 10, 12 matches and got two red cards with North Texas last season. So, um, you know, as Lucci says, um, you know, he's going to have to find, find, uh, some balance. There's their Luciism. Um, but you know, I, I hope that, that he, you know, some of that metal and some of that that grit and uh, what I said earlier uh, rubs off on him for for sure, Dustin. But guys, let's not let's not get too high, too far ahead of ourselves. Um, the kid played 17 minutes last year. Yep. So uh, we you know we, we we I think we will all be excited if he gets anywhere near his uh, prior year total. But um, it, this obviously will clear up some space, but. Uh, in the end, uh, hey, great that the Hunts got an extra one and a half million. I I would be very surprised if that money comes back uh, on the field. I don't think we've seen a ton of new investment, really, considering the the amount of players that have left and the amount of money that's uh, been doled out over the off season for you know well, well Cannon I guess was before the off season and Reynolds and Altiago. Uh, in the end, yes, it's there's some subtraction there. Great, great piece of business for FC Dallas. But uh, as a fan, I want to see I want to see that quality on the field. Um, I could yeah, honestly care less how much money the hunts make on the on the product. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, I, I think as uh, as fans, we also have to temper that expectation with the philosophy of the club, right? Like they they say it all the time developing the talent is in their DNA and DNA and you can't develop talent on the bench. Um, and so maybe he's not going to be, you know, the, 
the every game starter at defensive midfielder. But I do expect to see him on the field quite a bit. I mean, they gave him the number six for a reason, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And, and I've mentioned it, but I think the big winner here is Tessman. Tessman's, sure. Tessman's the, the person who's, I think, going to get more minutes uh, with, with Santos leaving. Well, we shall see. Uh, before we move on, I did have one more Serio clip. Um, interesting little tidbit. Uh, Jonathan, you asked him about his offseason and the 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 time he spent in Europe. And I just thought this was an interesting clip. So we'll play it real quick before we move on. From the day they gave us the news that we were going to Bayern, I was really excited the first time. Uh, it was an incredible experience just uh, being there in the facilities and, and to learn about uh, their youth system. Uh, was really great the first time and to do it all over again was was something I was super excited about. Um, but after the first week of quarantine, um, I only trained four times and then I, I pulled my hamstring. Um, so uh, I was there at Bayern for about two weeks just doing rehab and there was a possibility to to go to Austria on alone. Um, even after I got healthy, um, but the severity of my hamstring was, was deeper than we thought. So um, I did go to Austria with Brandon, but I was there there just a couple of days uh, to see the team and see their facilities and just to hang out to see if that was going to be, if I was open to a possible loan move there. Um, it didn't work out. I just got to come back, which gave me confidence in coming back here and, and trying to prove myself in this off season. And a good thing I, I got back healthy uh, pretty quickly and, and I've been working really hard since. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to have to recover from an injury, I guess there are worse places to do it than at Bayern Munich. Yeah, I'm sure he was disappointed though to not get that opportunity like that Servania got to play um, in, in Austria, uh, even if it's just you know overlapping partial for the MLS season. So I'm sure he's disappointed in that uh, from that front. But now when we know what we know about Santos, um, I mean that would have been a really difficult position for FC Dallas to be in if what? if their second number six was in Austria while their starting number six left the club. This move doesn't the the Santos move doesn't happen if 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 Sorio stays in Austria. There's no way. Like this this thing this uh, Santos move had to it came so late in the in the FC in this off season. Like it had to have been, uh, you know, uh, they must have been throwing money at Tiago and him, him saying, "I'm let's go. I want to make this happen." And the, I like it had to have been something like that where. Um, it was just kind of a late in the game thing. I, I but if if Sarrio is still was not here, I don't see that Zanata going along with that at all. I think it's it's interesting where um, where he ended up though, right? So going going to Grimio. I mean, does anybody on the club have connections back to Grimio? I can't remember. Well, he does, but like they're not. Here's here's the way I, I see this happening and going down. Uh, Grimio's. Basically, they're looking for somebody. They call up Zanata because they have his phone number because he used to work there, and they say, "Hey, um, that Santos guy, you you might want might not want to move him, would you?" And then they call Santos and they say, "Hey, we'll give you a hefty pay raise," and Santos says, "Sure, let's do it." And then then it's done. That's that's how it plays out in my mind. Uh, I don't I don't think that I think it just happened so quick quick that it had to have involve something with the player. Um, but you know, back to the, the point, um, and, and I, and I don't want to like put homesickness or any of that, that, um, I don't want to put any of that blame or whatever 
on there. I don't. I, do, I didn't see any evidence of that. You know, but we also aren't. You know, at his house with him or whatever. But yeah, and um, there may have been some of that, Dustin. But I think that the 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 evidence to the contrary is is the fee, right? If a if a player wants to move, and and clubs know they want to move, then I think the likelihood of getting one and a half million dollars for a player like Santos is probably pretty slim. It's not a it's not a ton of money, but I think it's I think it's more than what FC Dallas played to bring him in. So, yeah, I think, I think they paid under a million for him. So, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Maybe we should um, have Zanata back on soon and, and ask him about that. For for sure, and I, and I know uh, Luis Dollar, who's going to be on the on the pod in the in the second uh, second session, had some so had some hot opinions uh, about his his uh, his exit. I'll have to make sure to. To, to ask some questions about that I remember too. <laughs> All right. So there's been some other changes since they're during the off season and a couple that we haven't talked about. Uh, there's a new away kit, uh, the baby blue away kit. None of us have really talked about it on the show. I don't think we've even talked about it off the show. Um, I, I'm going to reserve my opinion until I, until, uh, I hear y'all. Nico, are you a fan of the new baby blue uniform? Uh, you had a way kit in the um, show notes, and I immediately thought of the North Texas pinstripe ones, and I said, yes, those are very nice. <laughs> I'm with Nico. I had the exact same thought. I really did. The, the baby blue didn't even come to mind. I was like, man, I, I would actually buy that. I don't have a – I've got my NTSC uh t-shirt i think like the one they made it's red i'm sure everybody that has an ntsc t-shirt is probably the same one uh, I, I would i would buy that away jersey for north texas in in a heartbeat unfortunately i don't think it's going to be sold um that the yeah, how sad one, is that though like blue one's we, okay we can say away kit and you immediately think of the reserve squad kit like that did you I think that's, the that's yes i did i just think that's it's, a, it's a statement about about the quality of the FC Dallas away kit be that, and, and that's kind of where I, I landed with it. I know a lot of people love it. Uh, I, I just think it's a plain, it just looks like a, a Hanes t-shirt on the field from on TV. If you're watching and it's like, it's super plain. If you look at it up close, it's got that confetti. It's like they wanted to like put in essence of the taco kit in there or something. Um, like just, they wanted to, put a little Easter egg in there, um, which that's a timely, timely analogy there. Cause it's day after Easter, but, uh, yeah, Nico, I, I see you've got some, some thoughts on your brain. I feel like, uh, it's kind of relative, right? I mean, we had the, the, I mean, geez, nearly almost everyone in the league last year had a white away Jersey. So, I mean, from going from white to a powder blue is definitely better. I mean, plus it looked kind of nice on the Texas Rangers. So I wonder if that's kind of the, um, thought process there but yeah i don't know i i guess i i'm not too opinionated on the kit talk per se, <laughs> per se but um i think um i think as probably so many feel like is that uh there there's a desire for some sort of branding or consistent uh, consistency in the branding per se i mean fc yeah. dallas had the hoops for a while and you know i kind of went away but you know then now you have these gradient hoops but um i don't know i think it's an improvement from the white jersey I mean, I say that wearing yeah. a powder blue shirt right now. <laughs> I, I, okay. So yes, props for not having just a white shirt with blue shoulder stripes. Uh, but now we have a powder blue stripe uh, shirt with blue or is it red, red shoulder stripes. Uh, 
uh, you know, it's, it's just, I, I want more. I don't want something that it looks like I, I could go to Walmart and buy and put uh MTX logo on and, and then, you know, go out and play five aside in, right. It's, I, I want something that looks prof- like professionally designed and I just don't feel it for this kit. I like the home kit though. Still. Have we talked about the, the sponsor change? We haven't. Let's, let's talk about that. I mean, it's the, well, I think aesthetically it's fantastic. Seriously. I mean like the, the MTX fits way better on a Jersey. It's less distracting. And it, 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 I felt like the, um, <laughs> Whenever the, uh, the the new kits would come out the last couple of years, the the sponsor signage would get bigger and bigger. I swear, like <laughs> um, so There's bigger and bigger drop shadow behind Advocate or Advocate. Exactly. No, so I, I mean, I think aesthetically, it's 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 fantastic. As far as the the quality of the sponsor, uh, I'm sure uh, raise your hand if you did not have to Google who the heck that was when you found out uh, the new sponsor. Cricket, insert cricket noise. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the, the only thing I'd ever even heard about that the, the, that company was that they had won the uh, the COVID tracing award. I remember, I remember when that came out, you know, a few months ago or probably six months ago, that it had been a small Frisco-based company that had won that. So uh, other than that, I had no idea who that is, uh, but still, huh, I'll take it. I, I feel like it's, uh, at least it's not a multi-level marketing uh, uh company right but jonathan how will i get to level 37 now no one will uh, know who they are don't, don't worry you're already level 37 so you get to, you get to stay there okay See, it, right. it kind of worked out that way right it started with dustin on this show and then he brought in you and tristan and then he brought in me and then if we bring in more people it, we all benefit <laughs> Exactly, and that and, and that's the and that's why we're both actually excited that you're um, that you're leaving the Dallas area so you can spread the network. Yeah, Thanks, I'm Nico. gonna go scout in the Lansing area in Michigan. It's uh, Lansing some, Ignite Rip. When you see some of that that snow talent, but, orange soccer balls why, all the way. This is why everybody uh, listens into the Dallas Soccer Show for this hard hitting soccer commentary. <laughs> all right, well, let's get back because this is your hint to to hit. Head back to these. Uh, the realm of I, mean, I don't know. Did you, did you have any any deep thoughts around the the sponsor change? I, I mean, I'm just I like it better than I like Advocare as far as the logo goes. I I don't know. You're right. I know I don't have no no thoughts on the company or what they stand for, other than that uh, you know they're not a multi level marketing company. <laughs> uh, I am so, cynical so, of their quantum computing claims. Oh, there's a oh. cynical folks. Okay. So so now uh, now we know. I'm sorry. The, we're the place we're going we go. into the to the to the phys, the physics math section with Nico. Nico, tell us more about this quantum computing. It's a uh, all the hype. It's a lie. On, <laughs> there's a lot of area of improvement and research needed. Hey, maybe you should get in on that. Yeah, nuclear and quantum, not quite the same thing, but you know, See, that's all least, atoms. It, it's it's all atoms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's do go ahead and, and shift gears back to uh, FC Dallas and and the round ball uh, that's kicked around the Toyota Stadium. Uh, FC Dallas uh, played their first La Copa win. Uh, La Copa, wow, 
La Copita uh, match against San Antonio FC. It was San Antonio FC's second, I believe, because their first was against FC Dallas. But um, FC Dallas, uh, they took care of business uh, they, with a 5-0 win over San Antonio FC. Goals from Hara, um, Hollingshead, Obreon had a brace, and there was an own goal in there at some point. This game was not streamed, so we don't have a whole lot of information coming about it, not knowing uh, you know, who played in necessarily what position. All we have is there was some media that was allowed at the game. They, have, they uh, posted some things about it, and then we have the highlights video. So anything strike you as interesting from the things that we saw on the field or, or I guess from the things that we saw, anything strike, pardon the pun, you as uh, interesting, Nico? Um, not really. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult per se. Uh, as kind of we talked in the last podcast, there's not so much, not a lot of emphasis you could put on these preseason matches. Um, it, it is it is an improvement five zero over San Antonio versus penalties. That's that's definitely for sure. Um, it kind of is the dominance that you would expect from an MLS team. Um, I also interested to see how much of the roster impact that had, as well as kind of the tactics uh, per se. But um, it definitely is good, and I think a talking point is that uh, Hada scored as well. So, yeah, always good to get some confidence behind your, I guess, presumably your starting striker, just because you know we pay him so much dollars, monies. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to be talking about that quite a bit next next week when we have a special guest on to do a pre- uh, uh, a season preview. But uh, Dustin, that's a, that's a, that is a that a hint, a tease. That's a, that's a tease. That's right. But okay, so for since since we got a whole like two minutes of video, maybe there's a little bit more of the preseason highlights. I I, I can. I can uh, get about as much out of that as I as I can, like a scattering report from somebody's YouTube highlight reel. So there's there's yes, we know that there was uh, some some goals. Great. Um, the probably the biggest thing that I took away from it was Paxton actually finally got on the field. I think he got about 20 or 30 minutes in, in that match. Uh, I can't remember exactly when he came in. Um, but no video of of, of him in the, in the highlights that we saw. So, so at least we know that he's working and progressing on on his fitness. Uh, yes, Hara scored. Uh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> let's 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 see uh, let's see what this how this team performs when they uh, face uh, MLS competition. We all learned our lesson about tempering preseason expectations off of preseason matches um, in the past, you know. Uh, but the thing that that I take from this, it, I just look at the names that are on the the score sheet and the names that are in the the highlights package. The things the things you see, it's the new folks. It's the front line. You see the the actual forwards that we think might be the front line, starting front line, actually creating chances, at working together. You see Vargas doing free kicks. You see Hader O'Brien O'Brien you know, working on the wing, cutting inside, and then like being there to clean up goals. Um, those are things that I feel like you should expect to see, especially against a MLS team. And in the preseason, it doesn't mean much, but like, 
I also feel like those are things that we haven't always seen before at any stage is our front line in the past year or two is our front line clicking together uh, and all getting in on, on the fun. Right. I hate to be a party pooper Dustin, but uh, I remember watching the, the first leg of, uh, of CCL man, it was probably 2016. And it was the first time we saw Christian Coman and oh my God, did he look like a world beater? I was like, where did we get this guy from? Um, and then anybody who's followed FC Dallas realizes that uh, he didn't quite pan out to what we expected. But um, yeah. No, I, I, and you know, uh, God bless you, Jonathan. I appreciate the the brake check there, the tap in the brakes. Um, but I think that's a Southern thing to say, right? God bless you. Uh, bless your heart. No, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I, I said it several times. It's, it's, it's preseason. It doesn't matter. But if you're going to, if you're going to look at something to call out there, I think that's what I would call out. Can they do it on a cold rainy night in Portland or Seattle is the question. Can, can they do it after a four hour rain delay in May and Frisco? These are the questions. Oh yeah, rain delays. Yeah, I think we got a couple of matches that are probably going to be prime for those. So, um, do do y'all have anything else to talk about for about the, the kind of the preseason matches and the things that are taking shape before we move on? Uh, I guess the only other takeaway I've got just looking at the the matches and and who who's been playing. Um, Really, the, the biggest thing that I see is it seems like Lucci is moving Hollingshead to the right. So uh, we've seen consistently every time he's played in the preseason, he's been on the on either either at right back or as a right winger in a three back set. Right. So um, and, and and when is either me or uh, uh, Stevie Davis that asked uh, Lucci about it just last week, you know, what, what was the, the plan with Hollingshead? And it seemed like the the decision was. Uh, Lucci thought that he's seen enough. He kind of understands his strengths and weaknesses, um, but expects that, uh, you know, Ryan can play on either side. Uh, but I think what we're seeing in, in reality is that, you know, Lucci's kind of put him in that that right-hand spot, especially with uh, Tomasi out, right? Emma's out. So um, that's that's probably one of the biggest takeaways I'm seeing is we're starting to see the formation of what I think the, the, the back line is going to look like, which to me is a bit surprising, right? Yeah. That, where's that leave Brisson? Third center back. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that is an expensive <laughs> uh, backup center uh, back. He, he's do we know making, though? His, he's making $521,000 a year, uh, according to the MLS player salary dump. Um, of from 2019. Yes, but he renewed his contract as part of the during the offseason, didn't he? I think they renewed Brisson's contract and they and they uh, did something with uh, uh, Felipe, the goalkeeper, right? Hmm. So my guess is he's probably coming back for less money. I I sure hope so, especially if he's going to be um, the third choice, because otherwise that's that is a very expensive. Uh, accent piece. Exactly. That's why you have to stay tuned here so that when the new one comes out, you'll hear it first. That's right. Check back here for the MLS player salary dump from 2021. In, Anyways, uh, 
let's let's go ahead and let's go ahead and 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 move on. I think there were a couple things that we needed to touch on before we get to our supporters group roundtable. Uh, beginning with the Concacaf Champions League kicking off this week. So I, I don't know if you, any of you guys have any uh, any thoughts on any of the particular matchups, but to me, I mean, I I love CCL, so I'm kind of excited for it to start. Uh, one of the one of the things that's interesting is I've seen very little. I I even went and looked at the MLS website today, and I think there's one article about Champions League, about the Concacaf Champions League, and it's from February, right? And then uh, you know our our good buddy John Arnold did something on his. Uh, Concacaf. What's the Concacaf? Get Concacaf. The Get Concacaf thing. Also, kind of around that same timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's not a lot, not a lot of content out, and I think that, I mean, in reality, um, there there are some some in the round of sixteen, some some uh, some tough matchups for some of the some of the MLS teams. You know, the expectation, yes, always is that the you know, unless it's a Mexico team, the the uh, the MLS team should move forward. So you would look at somebody like Toronto FC, with, you know, playing against Leon, who's going to have kind of a a really big, tough uh, road road forward. Um, but you know, even even some of the some of the other teams, uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll list one to you, Nico. Uh, Atlanta United is playing LD. Yes, I don't. I have no idea how. <laughs> How you say How close that. was I, Nico? Alaho, ala, whoa, me too. Sorry, guys. Alajuelense <laughs> is. Alajuelense. Um, I think that's a good matchup, but um, the matchup I'm most interested in is uh, is uh, Columbus Crew SC versus uh, Real Estali. And uh, FC Dallas fans may remember that uh, Real Estali has knocked FC Dallas out of the Concacaf Champions League twice. If um, I'm correct off the top of my head, so MLS. Um, a good MLS team against a good El Salvador team. Uh, I think what it is. Let me see. Oh, Nicaragua, Nicaragua yes. team. Um, definitely an interesting one. Um, but like you said, uh, Jonathan, uh, Toronto FC and Leon is probably what most people are going to watch off straight off from the first round. For me, it's it's Philadelphia and Saprisa. Saprisa, um, mainly because I recognize both of those team names. Saprisa well, is usually the, the 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 leader, but I think that uh, the one I cannot pronounce is uh, was uh, was in this last year, right? So, um, but e- either way, it's. I mean, I get excited, right? So this is you know usually yeah, who, you know, the, who knows what's going to happen. It, who knows there's, what's going to happen? Many- it's it's a it's a good way to embrace your fellow MLS teams and root for them. Um, gives you some rooting interests early in the season while you know it's just preseason going on. So, um, unless you're Nico, who Nico, uh, declare your allegiance. Which uh, Mexican squad are you rooting for? Well, actually, my Mexico teams are not in it, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't really. So, get, but I mean, I guess I guess for the sake of uh, MLS history purposes, I would prefer. Mexico to continue winning it until FC Dallas does. So there you go. <laughs> me, me too. Unfortunately, uh, Pachuca ruined that chance, you know, quite a few years ago. And I, I still, I still feel the pain and thinking was that Chris sides. Why are you, why are you rolling the ball out of the back? <laughs> Anyways, 
I will uh, forget that nightmare. But so, so we'll move on from your PTSD <laughs> and talk about another uh, another issue uh, with involving your head. Uh, the the league rolled out some concussion substitute uh, rules recently. Jonathan, you gonna fill us in on those? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll touch on them real quick. So it was it was announced today. At, it's Monday when we're recording. It was announced today that the uh, MLS is taking up as a as a pilot program, and this was driven by FIFA, um, the opportunity for a club to um, replace a player for concussion purposes. So if they uh, had a head injury or they were concerned about it, they can actually swap off an additional player in a, in addition to. Um, we still have the five sub rule this year, right? So the 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 five subs continues this year, like last year. Um, and what's interesting here, I mean, I think overall I agree with the rule. I kind of like the idea that they're giving flexibility, especially if you were late in a game and you'd already made all your subs, um, and you had a player that was you know questionable. Um, trying to take that decision out of a coach's hand on whether or not you put that player back in when you don't have a sub. I think this helps free that up. Um, one, one of the other things that's, you know, one of the, one of the first thoughts is, well, you know, maybe a team would do this on purpose, right. To say, Hey, I need to make a swap. Um, I'll just, you know, soccer is famous for people rolling around on the ground and <laughs> grabbing their legs. So, you know, do we all picture people rolling around on their, on the ground, grabbing their head? I, I hope not. I, I really hope that people take this seriously. Um, but FIFA tried to balance that a little bit by allowing the opposing team to also get an extra substitution. So if you, if, if you, if you do make a sub due to concussion protocol or whatever reason, the opposing team also gets an extra sub. So it tries to keep things fair so that people don't use it as a tactical advantage to swap some people out late in the game or something like that. Um, so I like get only get one, uh, you get two. And technically, each team gets two. So theoretically, you could have nine subs in a game. Wow! In theory, uh, if if <laughs> if you used your five and both teams used their two, and then the and then the opposing team used their matching two, <laughs> you could do nine subs. I would be very surprised if we actually see that in a game. Um, but I mean, I think that uh, FC Dallas has been a club that's been in has some history with uh, player concussions. So we know how serious it can be and what an impact it can be. If you look at uh, somebody like Zach Lloyd, right. Who had a concussion in a, in a, uh, a U.S. open match. Right. And never really came back. So I think concussions are a very serious thing. And I'm glad that the, the league and FIFA are, are trying to find ways to protect players. Um, I think as long as, as long as clubs take it seriously, um, then this is a good move. Well, absolutely. All right. So now we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, Jonathan has interviewed Stephen Gould from Dallas Beer Guardians and Luis Dollar from El Matador. And they've got the the all the info you'll need on the, what's going on with the supporters group this season. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to the Dallas Soccer Show. On this side of the break, I'm joined by Luis Dollar and Stephen Gould, who are the presidents of the two competing, okay, joined together this year at least, uh, supporters group for FC Dallas. Uh, welcome to the pod, guys. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. I'm always uh, looking forward to coming on your program. Yeah, thanks. Great to catch up with you all. 
All right. So the one of the first things that uh, was was announced this year, or, or one of the latest things announced, was the introduction to a new supporters group competition, Texas wide. Um, can one of you guys, I guess, walk me through what that is? Yeah, sure. I um, I guess as as early as last year, we were I guess approached by um, some people from the club, just sort of thinking about this year and letting us know that they had received. Um, you know, some information from um, Austin around pursuing some type of, you know, I guess, relevance in regards to best in Texas and, and supporters competition. So one of the things that we wanted to do is make sure that uh, that type of, you know, whatever you want to call it, rivalry or competition or, you know, just, um, yeah, just match through the years is something that we as supporters drove and created organically and and um as the calendar turned over and and we ramped up to the start of the year it sounded like um you know that was something we had had heard from some of the, the groups in austin as well and and just sort of you know we're approached on what we wanted to do and um steve arters who is a member of a founding member of copa Tejas and and uh I guess a member of the Crocketeers in San Antonio reached out to me and said, Hey, we would love for uh, all of the MLS clubs and, and their supporters to be a part of this at the next level. So, you know, what, what do you feel like your thoughts are on that? And, and, you know, can, can we try to make some inroads in regards to um, making this, you know, the competition in Texas. And it, to me, it was, it was simple. It was a great idea. It was already in place. It had, you know, a lot of the sort of infrastructure and, and rules and competition that we were looking for. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. And, and it seemed like a natural progression and there were so many other, I guess, opportunities outside of that. Um, you know, we play USL clubs where, you know, in preseason, um, you know, there's already that sort of exposure between the teams and, and there was just a lot of opportunity to take something that has been, you know, working already uh, and, and sort of part of the, the history of, of soccer culture in Texas and just expand upon that. Right. So um, when Steve reached out to me, um, you know, I reached out to Luis and said, Hey, you know, this is, this is sort of what I've been told as far as, you know, this group in Austin trying to, you know, assemble everybody together and uh, get us all on the same page. And he was instantly on board, kind of felt the same way as far as uh, you know, this, this seems like, uh, the best avenue to proceed. So uh, from there, we so, so that, just started. So that was an, I guess. So, so Stephen, so this was an existing um, competition that was held for yeah. USL clubs, and now they're they're kind of reaching out and saying, "Hey, now that there's a third MLS club, do we want to have mm. a supporters group led kind of competition? Is that kind of the is that is that the gist? Is that yeah? No, and I you're thanks for stopping me down because I, I totally kind of glossed over that. So Copa Tejas is an existing competition started in 2019 for the USL championship teams, uh, Rio Grande Valley, Austin bold, uh, San Antonio FC and El Paso Loco. So between the four of them, they have basically a mini season and the winner of that is crowned the winner of Copa Tejas. So when, um, yeah, like you said, when that third club popped up, then, um, you know, Steve started seeing some traffic on social media, reached out to some people he knew, um, caught wind of, 
you know, uh, the fact that this was already sort of a discussion, or at least, you know, the discussion was in its infancy between uh, supporters groups. And he reached out to, to basically everybody, at least one person within each uh, sort of market and said, hey, you know, introduced himself, introduced the idea and said, you know, we would love basically extend the olive branch. We would love for y'all to be a part of this. We'd love to grow soccer tradition, soccer culture within uh, the state of Texas. So um, that's how that all got started. And, and basically, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we announced that we had enough in place to go live and we've been sort of just following up on the bylaws and getting everything, the logo and the trophy and getting all that, uh, the final tweaks put uh, in place. And, you know, we have weekly calls around whatever we need to discuss and update and, um, it's been a, it's been a collaborative effort. There's been some ups and some downs for sure. It's been an interesting ride. Um, and yeah, here we are. But so, so, uh, the- so, so the goal would be, so there, so I heard, I heard trophy. So at the end of each year, one of the MLS clubs between the, 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 the three in Texas will be awarded the, the, the trophy for La Capita. So is what it's called? So what's the, uh. La Copa Texas. Yeah, so interesting. <laughs> interesting you say that. That's uh, that's sort of the front office vehicle, yep. and and part of the reason. Um, and I guess you know when I brought this idea to our leadership, and and I think there was maybe some similar feelings on EM side. Um, to me, there's no rivalry. You can't really have a rivalry with a team that literally doesn't <laughs> exist. You know, yep. at the time they barely had a roster. Um, so to sit there and say, you know, there's a rivalry with Austin, that that just kind of struck me as wrong. Uh, so splitting hairs or not, you know, do we want to have this competition? Certainly. Do we want the FO to own it? Certainly not. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we got in front of that. And, and you know, I'll let Luis kind of take it from here because, like I said, there's been some uh, there's been some ups and downs and we feel like we're making progress. And then something else drops the next week. And, and it's just been, you know, as the stomach turns kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, to piggyback off of what Steven has been saying, this whole thing, the bottom line is we wanted to create a supporters run cup. Um, Everybody who's listening to your program, Jonathan, knows of Cascadia Cup. That is a competition that is solely run by supporters and for supporters. Um, Like Steven was mentioning, we don't have a rivalry with Houston. We haven't played one single minute against their their club um, up until uh, this Wednesday. But um, so we wanted we wanted to get out ahead of this before the front offices got involved before they, they plastered Toyota or Ford or whatever onto some sort of rivalry. We wanted to make it a, a totally supporters-driven cup. Um, that way, um, it can remain as organic as possible. Um, Copa Tejas, uh, go to copatejas.com if you're interested in, in reading about them. Um, like Stephen mentioned, uh, Steve Arters, who is the co-founder of Copa Tejas, is a, is a supporter himself. He is uh, a member of the Crocketeers in San Antonio FC. He knows supporters culture. He knows supporters. Um, so this was a slam dunk for us. Um, and we're quite, quite lucky to have found them or them to have found us. Um, this is going to be a competition that I think um, is going to grow. Like Steven said, the, uh, the Texas soccer experience. Um, there is plenty of opportunities for us to even expand this to MPSL level, to USL one level, um, to include a, a variety of different teams in Texas. Um, so we're excited for this. Um, we are expecting a front office-led um, rivalry to be coming out within the next few weeks um, that is pushed. Um, we, all the SGs out of all the uh, MLS teams in Texas, have all agreed that we are uh, not recognizing that cup as, as the plastic that it is. Um, and we will be running with our uh, supporters-led Copa Tejas. So we're excited for it. Um, 
And I think, uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good addition um, to uh, not only SC Dallas, but like Texas soccer as a whole. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I, I definitely love the idea of having that supporter group led kind of trophy, like, like you mentioned, like the Cascadia cup, just, I mean, it, it feels more when it's, when it's fan led versus something that's a uh, commercial front office, front office driven. Um, and hopefully this also means some good coordination between the supporters groups when you're, when, when you're, when you're traveling to, to make, you know, more of a, a welcoming party, right. Um, as, as opposed to maybe looking at each other as, as opponents. Uh, so the first game against Austin FC, the preseason game is, is coming up here. Uh, we're recording on Monday night. On Wednesday this week, four o'clock, a beautiful start time for a soccer match. <laughs> it, it first, uh, that that one I'm assuming does not count towards the cup. Correct. Yes. Oh, and then I, I want to make a distinction between La Copita and Copa mm-hmm. Tejas. I know Stephen mentioned it a little bit. La Copita is a front office driven um, preseason tournament. Which, funny yes. enough, they they essentially copy the name of Copa Tejas. Uh, we have that in good in good word. Um, so we, we want to make sure that those two entities are different. Cobatejas is that so the supporters run organic uh, tournament. This preseason thing is just a front office uh, thing. So yeah, so this this game on Wednesday will not count towards the uh, the what is going to be a regular season uh, tournament um, as as we see in Cascadia Cup, for example. You would you would think, Louise, that with uh, with the, the the name similarities and the one being supporters group driven, that the front office would be embracing the supporters groups to make sure that they're out there for that 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 preseason match right is that listen you would think so but we're sc dallas fans so we know that our club doesn't operate on what you would think so okay um yeah um to piggyback off of that we've had some um rough times i guess you could say in uh, in getting tickets to this match on wednesday um i'll run through kind of our timeline steven can add uh, on his side of things um initially we were told that on uh march 29th in the 30th, there will be tickets released to the public for purchase for this match. Um, that's what we were told. On the 30th, having not seen any links or tweets or emails, we reached out uh, and said, hey, where's the link for this uh, this game? Uh, we were then told that this game was going to be for season ticket members only with unlimited requests for those season ticket members, which would be free. So if you owned a season ticket member or if you owned a season ticket, you could request as many tickets as you wanted for free. This was going to be a game to celebrate our season ticket members. Then, a day later, we were told that, no, unfortunately, you can't do that. Um, You can only request up to, I believe, two extra tickets than the the amount that you have, um, which threw a a complete curveball into both groups' plans going forward. Because the the day, the, the, the moment we were told that we could have as many ticket requests for season ticket members, we said, that's awesome. We're going to bring our whole group, okay? It's going to be a great time. It'll be a great way to get everybody back from COVID, uh, to, to build hype for the new season. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that threw a complete curveball into our plans. Um, and so this is, is just a, a, a small example of a laundry list of things that, that, has, that have happened over the years of just complete inconsistency um, from the club to their supporters. Um, and it's, it's frustrating because we were really looking forward to, uh, to getting a bunch of people out to a preseason game um, post-COVID, you know, or post-season COVID because COVID's still going on, obviously. Right. Um, but, yeah, we've had a, a, um, a crazy time trying to acquire tickets for this match. I know, Jonathan, you've been doing your part in helping us try to, to collect tickets. Um, but, yeah, it's been extremely frustrating. 
Um, did you see the lack of, uh, of uh, top to bottom leadership uh, with one cohesive message? It seemed to be changing from minute to minute. Um, and so, yeah, that's been really frustrating. And, um, and it was really, it's really tough for us to go back to our members and say, hey, we know that we promised y'all tickets. Uh, and we know that you guys have taken off work because it's at 4 p.m. on a Wednesday. We know you guys have put up your kids for, uh, for daycare or babysitting or whatever. Uh, sorry, guys, we don't have tickets anymore for you guys. That was really tough for our members to, to, to take. Um, and if you're a club, after a pandemic where people, we don't even know if people are going to be returning, uh, you don't want to be doing these things to inhibit people from coming back just to watch your, your team play. So, uh, so, yeah, it's been awfully frustrating to get tickets to just one preseason game. Yeah, and and I, I am glad to hear that you're you are starting to at least get some tickets from uh and then from a DVG perspective, Stephen, are you guys looking at trying to get a group out there as well for uh, for the preseason match? Yeah, and I think I feel like all three of us were at the uh, the game against the Austin Bold last year, and I mean that was bad weather, but a regular like game time, you might say, and there were maybe 200 people you know what i mean they're just not a lot of people and uh it's it's just frustrating to have to deal with a change in message let alone repeated ones <laughs> like you know and 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 i go on our discord and i'm like hey like this is our plan da 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 and somebody's like oh hey my rep just told me this and it's like well now i gotta go verify that i gotta go back here i gotta check all this i gotta change anything that we had related to that plan and just kind of shift everything around so um, yeah, like, like we were saying, it's, it's, uh, despite our best efforts here, we're, we're hoping we can, uh, we can bring the crew that we had originally commit, uh, which we feel like is a sizable crowd, especially uh, for a preseason game, especially given sort of the numbers that we've seen for an FC house preseason match, um, you know, and, and, uh, especially given four o'clock in the middle of the, of the week. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, we just, a lot of moving parts and and it seems like sometimes you know that that the club just can't get out of their own way you know and yeah. and and this is the example that i use when i when i think of things like that it's like i know that it's a preseason game to them but like if you're going to promote it at all why is it at four o'clock on a wednesday you know and if you're not going to promote it then don't promote it but if you're going to promote it please promote it and let us help you like with all these things and anybody who's been a member long enough more than you know 2019 this stuff was free this came with your season ticket packets like this wasn't even an issue. And now it's, Oh, well, it's free. It's not free. It's kind of free. It's closed. It's open. Like it's, there's just a lot of, you know, despite coming from, I heard this and then the ticket rep calls or emails somebody and says that. And, um, you know, we've had that on a, on a number of occasions leading up to this. And then, you know, we're trying to get everybody galvanized to show up just to show up so we can get a, our finger on the pulse of what everybody's doing uh and and we just get kind of chop blocked yeah it's just like okay yeah and what's what's actually i mean a lot of times we just have to 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 plan and uh, assume that some things are gonna go wrong but at least we're gonna hopefully get enough season ticket members to sponsor you guys to get out there and then you know in a week we'll all be looking back and uh hopefully forgetting about this and, and waiting for the net you know i'm sure there will be other snafus but hopefully uh the start of uh of a season that i know the groups are are are, are excited to to take part in uh so as you guys walk into the stadium for the first time you know officially kind of this year uh you're gonna make your way to the other side of the stadium 
Um, and I know that uh, it was announced at the end of uh, last season that the the beer garden was officially going to be closed. Um, and, and, I, and I don't think that there's any plans for reopening that for, for future dates. I think originally it was due to COVID restrictions and spacing or whatever. Um, but at the end of last year, they did announce something around a, 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 safe, a, a safe standing area on the south side of the stadium. Um, first off, I guess, is do you guys expect to see that? On uh, in that preseason match, or is it going to be the, the the first regular season match before that's available? Do you guys know? There's nothing there now. Uh, we know that for sure. There's no seats. There's no rails. Um, and I there's some pictures floating around. Um, you know, and and I think you might have seen them, uh, Jonathan. And feel free to you know retweet them and and all that. But um, yeah, so it's it's some some railing that's going in with with the cup holders um for our members and uh we had you know i guess sort of uh discussion with the front office around what we what we would like to see there um and and you know i guess it became pretty evident that we weren't going to get what you would see in orlando or lafc or any of those other stadiums around you know uh uh a safe standing section. And, and if you've ever had the, the privilege to go overseas or tour, you know, a big top five European level, you know, all their safe standings different too. Right. But um, what we have is sort of, I guess, a, a progression of, of what we thought it might be. And, and when you say the gardens closed with no, no, uh, no plans to reopen it. I mean, when we asked them what, it, you know, Hey, can we, can we at least take something to our members around what you're going to use this for moving forward and why that isn't going to be there. And, you know, the message came back as we can't have people with an X amount of distance of the field. We're losing that capacity. This part of the stadium is the same amount of capacity. You guys have always asked for safe standing. Let's do this here. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of where we got to. So, uh, they really can't say if they're going to use it for concerts or, or anything else, you know? And, and I think the only thing that that's really been there with any regularity is that hall of fame concert. So, um, you know, just, it'll be, it'll be interesting to be in the new section. It'll be a little forlorn to look across and see a barren, uh, concrete North end. Um, you know, I think, I think that there's certainly some upside in regards to different things we can do with, you know, TIFO and a drum section and we have an area for our band and things like that. Um, so we're trying to make, you know, the most out of it and, and certainly look at the positives. Uh, there, the plan is to build some capo stands that extend, you know, from that front part. So we'll have like dedicated, um, it won't just be like a little stool, like a little plastic stool that they've been standing on for years. So that'll be nice. They'll have their own little area and, and certainly it'll be, uh, it'll be some, some new things for us and, and uh, some opportunity, but yeah, it was a little bumpy ride there and, and not, uh, not pouring concrete, I guess. When you talk about safe standing, it's uh, rails going into where seats used to be. Um, and it'll be a, a standing area for sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's our job to make it as rowdy as, as physically possible. So talking about the next thing up, uh, I think <laughs> the next thing to worry about, I think our members are, uh, kind of you know staring down that uh what what's going to really happen when we have a, a big game like you know houston comes up on what the 8th of of may that's like our third home game um we can talk about safety protocols we can talk about us being in the middle of, of joe Schmo fan and 
I think uh, we'll figure we'll figure out real quick what it's like um, by early May. So, and I know uh, so Louise, you, when when it was first announced, I know there's a lot of people that that pushed back on the move to the south side, kind of being permanent and the safe standing. Uh, and 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 you were one who was looking at the positive, especially from a uh, you know, with El Matador being, you know, uh, El- more inclusive from an age perspective than, you know, maybe the DBG who, uh, I think are, I don't know officially if DBG has age limits or not, but, um, are you still seeing that same, I mean, do you still have the same view or, uh, with some, with some time and experience, you're, you're maybe looking at things differently. Yeah. When I came on your program last year, Jonathan, um, yeah, I was one of the only ones who was, um, uh, on social media, at least, looking forward to, to the move. Um, for the most part, I still am, um, though I'm not as optimistic about certain aspects as I was then. Uh, we are getting safe standing. Um, at the time, when I came on your program last, Jonathan, I thought it was going to be something along the lines of what we're seeing in now all the new MLS stadiums. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we're still stuck in MLS 1.0 or 1.2. Uh, 1.5. Okay. Is it is it is it better than the than the bleachers in the beer garden? Uh, for sure, it right. for sure it is better than bleachers, <laughs> which you don't know are going to fall through right. uh, when you jump ones, um, or you cut yourself on the various um, razor sharp edges of those bleachers. So yeah, it is an improvement, um, but it is still uh, well below the league average of, of what we expect to see in stadiums nowadays. Um, but I guess from an SC Dallas point of view, uh, we can't complain if something's improving, okay? Um, but also, um, to kind of point out uh, Stephen's last point on the um, on the section being full for, like, big games or whatever, our section right now is sold out. The supporter section is completely sold out um, for the foreseeable uh, future, um, which is odd and hilarious in, in a couple of ways, uh, which I'll explain. So we were told... Uh, a day they invited all the supporters to go out there and see the new safe standing that they're going to install. Um, so we all went out there. We were looking over the section, and they were telling us the plans or whatever. And uh, so we were really excited or whatever about uh, seeing our new section. And they sprung on us that, hey, your section sold out, by the way, which was news to both groups because we were never told this. Um, and so we then proceeded to ask them, uh, who's uh, so who bought these tickets? Who bought the the uh, scene ticket memberships in our, in our uh, section. Were they supporters from both of our groups? Oh, no, they weren't. They weren't supporters from either of your groups. They were just people that had tickets there originally, which was interesting to say the very least. If you're going to build a completely new supporter section, you ought to fill that section with supporters. Um, so it made no sense to us that now, for opening day, none of, none of the supporters in both of our groups who don't have season, season ticket members, uh, ships already, are going to are they're not going to have access to the supporter section it's incredibly uh, it's incredibly stupid how they have uh, how, how they've gone about doing this um so we're looking in uh in a variety of different ways to get our supporters into that into into the stadium firstly um and then secondly i don't know how we're going to get them into our section uh following covid protocol um so again this just goes on to the frustration that we supporters have with a lot of the uh top to bottom uh organization of the club um uh and so yeah we're, i mean for opening day i mean i Stephen can tell you, like, I don't even know how we're going to get our supporters into our own section, which is incredible to think that that could even be a thing that I'm even saying. OK, um, so that's again, it adds to the frustration of um, of, uh, you know, that we've been having as as, as supporters, let alone so, FC Dallas. So the, so the new now, so. so when they when they open that space or they they move, they didn't make it a GA supporters group section where you. Which they told us it was going to be 
so so get this. So we, we talked about how for the preseason game we were being told a thousand different things right. and going in circles for tickets. We were told that that section was going to be GA and that the majority of the tickets in that section were going to be controlled by both supporters groups. That has yet to play out, okay? Um, and so, yeah, as of this moment, we don't have uh, any tickets in that section for the foreseeable first few games of the regular season um, during this phase one COVID stuff. So um, it, it'll be a miracle for us to even get our own members into the stadium, let alone into our own section. Yeah, if you didn't opt in at the beginning of the season, you're you're sunk. And, and um, we're working with, you know, our ticket reps to develop some kind of waiting list and, and priority system around, you know, how to get, how to get people access to that, because it was something where, you know, this space in the stadium is created for us and they gave everybody there the opportunity to opt out. But if they, you know, instead of clearing it and letting people opt back in after supporters renewed their season tickets or had the opportunity to buy them, um, it was those people were given the opportunity to leave. And if they didn't want to leave, they could stay there, um, which, I mean, I don't know how many yeah. that is, but, um, you know, now we have people that, you know, maybe they, they don't buy or they can't buy a whole season membership and they're stuck until July, just kind of in limbo. So, so is um, it just that just during phase one, the April through June that the concern is, or is there, um, no availability in the section, even into phase two. Or do you guys have that knowledge yet? So one of the, yeah. So Stephen mentioned uh, the creation of like a waiting list for once we get out of the, the first phase. There is no waiting list. It hasn't been created yet. So they're telling us our section is full. So the next logical thought would be, okay, if the section is full during phase one, let's create a list uh, for people who want to sit in that section uh, once we start lifting restrictions. That has yet to be created, and we are. Almost a couple, we're a couple weeks away from the start of the season. Um, so the fact that that hasn't even been created yet is a, is a worrying sign. Also, it's funny how the people who were in that section uh, last season were given the option to stay in, the, in that section um, as, as opposed to moving when both supporters groups were just moved without any sort of like consultation. We were just moved. We had, we had, no, we had no say in it. We had no, uh, we, we essentially had no, uh, no other options. So they, they moved us without even telling us or without even, uh, well, they told us, but we had no real, real, real options. But for people who are sitting in a supporter section, they were given the options to stay in seats that were designed for supporters, and they're not supporters. That's not the knock on them for being, uh, you know, casual FC Dallas fans, which is really cool and awesome. But, like, they were given an option, and it just seems like every step that we go along the way, we're never getting any options. Um, so again, it's just it, it's a lot of confusion, a lot of uh, as Stephen put it, getting in their own way, um, and uh, and, a, and a lot of frustration. And if you're FC Dallas, you don't want this being the um, the uh, the feeling in your supporters uh, groups coming into a season uh, post a pandemic season. Yeah. You know, you want to be building a good relationship with, with your supporters to get as many people into your your venue as possible. Um, so, so yeah, yeah that's been it, just super fun. It, it very much doesn't match the pattern. I think that what, what we've seen and you guys are closer to it, but over the last two or three years, it seems like the club has tried to be, uh, more considerate of supporters group, you know, include you guys in decisions and actually try to, um, you know, be more coordinated. Right. Uh, and then uh, this, it, it, it feels that, uh, we've taken a bit of a step back this year for, for whatever reason. 
Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you're right to point out, and I, for all this complaining that I'm doing or, or we're doing right now, there has been uh, steps forward, un- undeniably. Um, and I, I must say that on the record. Uh, but it just feels like with this club, it's one step forward, two steps back. You know, it's it's one of those sort of things. Um, and so that leads to the frustration because we see when they, you know, when they give us uh, smoke, for example, that's awesome. We see the improvements. We see the uh, the effort being made. But for simple things like giving supporters access to their supporter section, they can't even do that, you know? So it, it, it's, again, it's one step forward, two steps back sort of thing. So as we, as we start to go towards this season, um, you know, one of the things that uh, usually is part of the countdown to the official, you know, season kickoff or whatever you want to say uh, is 24 hours beforehand. Something usually starts in the parking lot. Steven, is that, is that happening this year? It is uh, penciled in for a later date. So uh, GBG is on its decade anniversary. I don't know. It's not gold. It's not diamond. It's uh, let's call it the mug and laurels anniversary. And uh, the, I guess, sort of informal, formal time frame for that is the 4th of July weekend, which coincidentally is a big, uh, you know, match for the club. Uh, and, and for everybody. So we, even before, I guess as far back as last year, kind of we're penciling it in as like, Hey, it might be a better idea to move this to that weekend anyway, just given, you know, the circumstances and the way 2020 shaking out. Uh, so we had kind of in our minds, at least pushed that back to, to the July 4th weekend, um, as part of like a, a week or weekend of celebration for, for DVG's tenure. And, and that, that's where we're at right now. And that would be the um, very, that would, that'd be the very first official home match in what they're calling phase right. two, right? That where they're, they're exactly. officially opening the, the stadium. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Which, which is, I guess, a stroke of luck. And, you know, based on everything we've discussed, we'll, we'll reevaluate that here in a couple of weeks and see how we all feel. But uh, yeah, that was, that was something we had kind of just in our minds put, put for that weekend or, you know, a double down and sort of reserved the right to have that as our main 24 hour. And um, we're going to, from everything we've discussed, we're going to move forward with uh, some tailgate options for, for the group, just to, like we've discussed, just to bring that fellowship back to, to bring the game back, to bring soccer to North Texas back. And, um, you know, we'll be proceeding with, the highest level of safety protocols, right? So all of our people that are serving um, whatever, you know, food and beer or whatever, like we've, we've gone through the, the list of, of what we're going to do and, and what we're going to ask of our members. Um, we actually have a, a, a members only event coming up um, at Pedicolis on the 10th for uh, it's during the, <laughs> it's during the preseason game, but I'm not sure we're going to be able to stream it, which is again, kind of weird, but, we're working on it. Um, and what we're doing there is we have everybody choose an option at the door. You can get a green wristband, you can get a yellow wristband, you can get a red wristband. Green wristband is, you know, fully vaxxed and I'm comfortable being around people and, you know, basically as close to normal as, as you want to allow yellow is, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm observing all the protocols. I, you know, still want to interact, but I want to be as safe as physically possible. And red is, you know, hey, please respect my wishes. And, you know, I want to I want to maintain the highest level of safety available. 
Um, so that doesn't mean don't engage, but it means, you know, please be very, very overly cautious, right? Um, and so that's something that we're looking at extending to our tailgates, but but really our plan for for the first home game is to, um, you know, we're letting our cooks set the menu. We're, we're reserving some beers. We're going to give some pre-poured beers and, um, you know, everybody's going to be in full PPE and, and we'll be out there and we hope people come. So uh, that's our plan. We want to, you know, we want to hit the ground running and, and we understand there's some people that are ready to get back. So we're, uh, we're ready to create that atmosphere. And, and that's our plan for, you know, phase one, looking into phase two, I guess, if we want to link it up to uh, the MLS schedule. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're really just hoping that we can bring we can bring it back, you know, and, and that's, that's our primary concern is just reconnecting with our team and reconnecting with our, our people first and, and, and the club second. So we want to get, uh, we want to get people back out on game day. We want to reconnect with our group and, and we want to, we want to grow that, that, that soccer culture. So um, hopefully, hopefully that will, you know, continue through the year and, and we'll, we'll have that 24 hour and everybody will be rocking and rolling by then. But we're going to kind of ease into it this year. Well, so, so Louise, what about from a El Matador perspective? Do you guys have any, any big plans for kicking off the season or any, anything new this year that you want our, our listeners to be aware of? Yeah. Um, we have amazing shirts that we didn't get to sell last year. Um, so we will still be doing, uh, Hey, just, just so you know, I'm still waiting for mine. Whoever, whoever manages the El Matador <laughs> Twitter account, like, never replies. Oh yeah, talking See, to I, him. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know that person. That person's been uh, Who, whoever uh, that is. MIA. I think that the the two games I actually did go to, I was like, I want my shirt, and they're like, Yeah, okay, let me uh, let me know, and you know. Anyway. Well, listen, Jonathan, Jonathan, listen, I might know that guy, and so I'm, I'll, I'll <laughs> see if he can send you a, a DM on Twitter, okay? All right. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, we're, we'll be doing uh, uh, just pretty off-the-cuff uh, tailgates up until Phase 2. Um, that's the plan. Um, just kind of gathering outside the stadium in our uh, in our typical supporters lot. Um, um, you know, just, just regular uh, socially distanced, um, kind of off-the-cuff stuff. Um, we might... Um, have something for the for the Houston game on May eighth. Um, that'll be the first Copa Tejas game uh, ever in MLS Division One. Um, yep. So that's going to be a big game for both supporters groups. Uh, so we expect to have the trophy at at the game um, to take pictures with to, to build hype that way. Um, so I assume we'll do like an official tailgate for that Houston game at home. Um, but until phase two, uh, the rest of the games are going to be pretty off the cuff. Um, and, uh, you know, just as people get their vaccines and stuff starts to open up a little bit, um, uh, we'll, we'll be waiting for phase two. But that, that Houston game, um, I want to emphasize, will be the first Copa Tejas game, as well as uh, our first big game back, really. Um, so that'll be a, a game to look out for. We'll be tweeting uh, on all our social media accounts or messaging or whatever um, for that game. Um, and then to mention the T-shirts that you mentioned earlier, uh, we have awesome T-shirts that we didn't get to sell last year. Um, that are really cool um, that we will be selling. Um, there'll be posts before the season starts um, of those T-shirts. So if you're interested and you're not a part of EM or uh, a supporters group in general, but you still want a shirt, uh, be looking out for that. Um, we'll get on the Twitter dude. He needs to be on his uh, doing doing his uh, his job. Um, so we'll get that out. Um, but yeah, other than that, things pretty off the cuff. Um, Houston game big, and then we'll wait for phase two. Awesome, and I know we're. Uh... We we did spend kind of the first twenty minutes, uh, you know, 
talking a bit negatively about you know some of the things that have happened, but I think that I think we're all excited for the kickoff of the new season and hopefully some return to normalcy. Um, and you know, supporters group is all about you know raising passion and you know engaging other fans and you know making it a uh, uh, building things just around and instead of just just the match, building uh, the atmosphere, right? So uh, I, I know that we're we're all excited. Is there? Anything else you guys want to want to make the listeners aware of before we uh, we finish off? For me, I think it's really uh, you know we're doing. I, I feel like both groups are doing whatever they can to just reengage that membership base and and grow it. Right, that's always been our our goal is to you know continue to bring exposure to you know both of our groups and and certainly FC Dallas and and just grow soccer culture in North Texas. And, and the biggest thing that year, I, I, or this year, excuse me, I feel like we can, we can use for that is, is Copa Tejas. I think there's going to be a lot of hype around that. I think there's going to be a lot of good things coming out of that. I think there's going to be a lot of good things down the road uh, aligned with that or, and, and stemming from that. Um, like Louis said, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be pumping it up and we're going to be, you know, bringing the cup out and, and, you know, tying the ribbons on and bringing it to the tailgates and, making it highly visible and, and um, you know, we all are, are, I guess, exploring new avenues and just, and just engaging members and, 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 you know, raising that awareness. And, and I think that um, certainly that'll help, but, but also just, you know, it's why we take a half day off on Wednesday to go to a, to go to a preseason game. Right. And, and just, you know, just, just asking people, you know, what they want from us and, and, and trying to, trying to just help everybody, kind of return to that I, I know when we went on the tour alone just being in the stadium and just being there and looking sort of down from the southwest corner I mean again it, it was just like oh my gosh I'm ready like come on let's go August or April 17th like please 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 let's let's get it going and um you know we we've all been waiting on this for for quite some time and despite the hurdles that were we're still jumping over. I think, I think there's a lot of people out there ready to get back and, and, you know, it's, it's our job to, like we said earlier, make that atmosphere as, as rowdy as physically possible. So that's, that's our job. That's what we've been tasked with. And, and, you know, we're putting the pedal down. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll end with, look, we're, we're like Steven said, we're ready to be back in there and, uh, and, and singing and chanting and make that, making that place as loud as possible. Um, one of the things that I've, I've been seeing over this off season is a lot of people who are really looking forward to us being on that side of the stadium. Um, from an EM point of view, we used to be over there for the majority of our lifetime. Uh, and uh, a lot of people are uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, being able to sit next to us again. So um, if you're going to, to the initial games, uh, we need everybody to be as loud as possible. We're going to have a, a very reduced crowd. Um, so every, every person counts. Every person is a supporter, no matter where you sit. Um, so we're really looking forward to get, getting back out there and uh, making uh, making that place as uh, as hostile as, as as it can be. Awesome! Well, it was uh, great talking to you two. Really looking forward. I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll probably see both of you guys on uh, on Wednesday coming up. Um, looking forward to seeing you over and over during the season. If people are interested in joining a supporters group, um, El Matador and Beer Guardians are. I mean, both both the groups and the members are are very easy to uh, to approach. So, you know, if you, you you see them outside of a game or in a game or whatever, uh, I mean, I know they're always uh, welcome to to interaction. So, uh, if you're listening and thinking, hmm, yeah, maybe it'd be pretty fun to be a supporters group member, uh, reach out to these guys, uh, social media or in person. 
Uh, again, thanks guys for joining. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. And yeah, anybody who's interested, we're in the bottom of the red lot, south end of the red lot. We'll be there all year long. All right. All right. Thank you to Stephen and Louise for joining us today. You can find us online at DallasSoccerShow.com and also at the StrikerTexas.com under their podcast section. All of our our episodes are posted in both places, and they are also posted in your podcast app of choice. Just hit that subscribe button. You'll get the notification. It'll download automatically for free. Uh, all, all you need to know about FC Dallas, you'll find it right here. For Nico Mendez, Jonathan Roz, I'm Dustin Nation. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.